Good morning again, Hillside family. You know, uh, this is going to be the fourth week, title and message, Becoming a Disciple and Making Disciples. We haven't got to the making yet. We're in process. I think it's interesting, too, that uh, in the process, those of you who have been following Jesus for a number of years know you go through these times where, where's Jesus at? Am I still on the right road? What's happening? And uh, when I, we used to drive and uh, we'd have to go away and haul explosives, me and a, a partner were always amazed when we were going to a place that we had never gone before. And it was usually some kind of a military uh, place, some kind of an army depot, someplace. And back in those days, we, had, we didn't have GPS. Yes, there was horse and buggy wagons, you know. <laughs> but uh, we didn't have, our, our, even our maps sometimes where we were going were very, like they didn't really show because we were going to diff- different military reservations where they don't have a lot of things. They don't want you to know what's going on. But as we drove and drove and drove and drove and drove and drove and roughly followed uh, the directions that our traffic department would get for us, we would always joke. And I, we've done this a number of times that I'd have different people I'd go on uh, long hauls with. But we'd always say, oh yeah, we're getting there. Why? There's no trees. All there is is desert, sand, mountains, Oh yeah, maybe over the next hill. Look for the grandmother on the old porch. That's where we're going to go. And it may seem like that in your walk with God as following and being a disciple. But let me tell you, when God wants you to know, He'll show up and speak to you. In fact, if you're beginning to follow the Lord or you're following the Lord and you know you're in the dead center of His will, don't be surprised if you're not hearing anything. He has great confidence in the faith that He's put in you. He has great confidence in your ability to hear from Him but he doesn't feel like you need to know anything. And so those times where we get frustrated and where we're at and where we're going, it's all part of the process of becoming a disciple. And I see all of you that are here, even you visitors, as potential members of Hillside, hoping that God will plant you here, not because you like anything happening. I know you're not here because of my speaking, but that you are here because God is doing something in your heart, that he's putting roots in your heart. He's putting you down in a place. And you may not understand the total gifts or calling or where you're going to fit, but if you let God plant you, you will end up being where you need to be. When I think of my journey of becoming a disciple and following the Lord, I have to say a lot of times, even with a little bit of prophetic inclination and direction of what God had for me, it never ended up being what I thought. In 89, when we had a prophetic conference, me and Dory, when we got together in, in, um, in, in 81, kind of knew God had a call in our life together because of the way he put us together, because of our heart for God first. And our heart, even in, in this message or in this prophetic time we had going and having some prophets prophesy over us, it was a confirmation of what was going on in our, in our, going on in our heart and in our life that our most biggest priority, the biggest thing that gets off for me and Dory is seeing God's kingdom built, and that means building local church. So if we see a little bit, seem a little bit tense about you getting rooted and grounded, staying, don't pull up roots because things happen or God's triggering something, if God plants you, you hang on for the ride because God's going to do a lot of things in you and he's going to bring up things in you that you may not like. But if you stay in the process, you're going to end up exactly where God wants you and you're going to be used exactly how God wants you to use. Our problem is we have a free will and we live in America and it really throws a wrench into God's call in our life and and what he wants us to do. If you were to join any military, how many guys have been in the military, girls? Now, was it optional? Did you show up, sign up, and then you went home and 
Or did you have to go to basic training? Did you have, they told you when to eat, when you're going to sleep? Now, we're not a cult, but we put some structure. Why? We want you to experience God. We want you to grow. And we know how, part of how God grows us, even in the church, is by going through difficult situations and different times. Thank you, Vonnie, for that word. And I think of, uh, I'm just reading, you know, again, Joseph's story this week. 15 years, what is prophetic thought? Oh, my father's going to bow down to me. My stepbrothers are all going to bow down to me. That went over big, huh? <laughs> 15 years. Where, where did he spend a lot of his time? In jail. Excuse me, God? Is this the call of my life? And so hold the prophetic thoughts and what God puts on your heart loosely because God is going to unfold. In 89, when we had that word, you know, God, it was like, it was like something happened in us uh, experientially. Like we had been tracking for a long time. I've been tracking with God for probably almost 30 years and he changed everything. I went and started doing Bible college. Uh, we started taking more responsibilities on at church. Uh, Dory's mom and dad both died right after that prophecy, uh, two months apart. I mean, things, wrenches started to be thrown in our life. Life, life transforming and transitional moments that totally affected and changed our life. But God was in the whole process. Even though we didn't understand things, God was in the process. And in 89, when they had spoken things over us, you know, we didn't hear everything the prophet said. And so in, in 99, when after four years of wrestling with God and being frustrated and thinking he was going to have me go to work at church, he totally threw a wrench at me and he said, we're going to send you guys out. And so as I talked to my pastors and I said, okay, I'll do this, very much grumbling because I could not hide anymore. I could not stay in the comfort of my local church. I got thrown out of the house. But when the day, when I wrestled in this two-week time, when I wrestled and said, okay, am I, I going to go start a church or am I going to do something else? I said yes to God. And the very moment I said yes to God, I found out that when the guy was done prophesying us, he told our pastors, these two are going to start a church someday. And it was like, after I said yes, then he gave me confirmation. And it was totally different than what I had thought. And so hold on to what God says to you, Lucy. Again, we have a mind, will, and emotions. We have a desire. We have ways we think we're going to work. But really, God is the one who does so much deeper things. And he may adjust uh, what we're doing. But, be, but stay loose. It is a ride to follow Jesus. It is a ride to become a disciple. It is painful. It's hurtful. It's going to cost you. And yet, it's rich. It's blessed. There's joy. There's purpose. There's prosperity. There's miracles. There's friendships that get developed. There's relationships that get developed. And it's like, it's a mixed bag. If you're married today, stay married. That person you're married to, even though the enemy may be telling you, oh yeah, now you're really following me. You're married to the wrong person. Throw that out. God honors our marriage commitment. If, you, if you've been divorced before and you're married to someone now, don't think, oh, I blew it, I've been divorced. No, there's grace of God for where you are right now, but God wants to do something in your marriage. And so be praying for your spouse, be praying for each other, put God first and watch how God wants to do miracles in your marriage. If you want to get married, start asking Jesus, Lord, here's my desires. God, keep orchestrating. If you're internet dating, whatever, Pray. <laughs> I still believe that God can connect with someone if he has to fly him or her from the other side of the world. Right. That's just my personal opinion. 
Okay, I guess I should do my message now. <laughs> Let's pray because, again, in this few moments of talking about the Word and talking about discipleship, I want you to hear from God. So pray for yourself. Lord, we just present our mind, our will, and emotions to you. We present you any difficulties, any problems that are uh, trying to distract us. God, we want to hear from you. And we know your Holy Spirit is here. And we just pray for a fresh download of your Holy Spirit into our spirit. We ask that you would supercharge our spirit with your strength. We pray that the Word of God would cut through all of our feelings, all of our challenges, all the way we've understood life into this present. And we're asking that you would strengthen us in the inner man. Strengthen us, Father. Lord, those of us who struggle with our personality or with oppression and depression, we pray for a supernatural strengthening, Lord, that even out of our weakness, we will be able to hear and respond to you. I pray for the peace of God to settle over everyone. And we pray for our kids in Kids Church that your Holy Spirit will move on them and they will be at peace and they'll come back and and enter into their families and there'll be a grace of the Lord Jesus Christ on them. We pray for our babies in the nursing. We pray that you would move on them right now. Let them have peaceful sleep and rest. Let their digestive system and everything that's going on in their young bodies that are growing, let there be a manifestation of your healing presence, Lord, and your Holy Spirit over their heart. Be with our little children who are toddling around in that room. Lord, let them not fight too much, but let them learn how to share toys today in Jesus' name. We're a body and every person is important. Um, A scripture I want to give you is John 8, 31. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. God's word, the Bible, is a blueprint for the new life that he's building in your spirit. That your ability to hear from God, your ability to adjust your lifestyle according to the word of God is directly connected with the gospels. It's not just reading it one time, but it's reading it daily over and over again. I lost count of how many times I've read my Bible. And I don't care how many times I've read it. Why? Because the most important thing is is I keep reading it and that God keeps speaking to me. That it keeps giving me nuggets of truth. Just like my body loves to eat bread, my spirit loves the Word of God. The Word of God will feed you. The Word of God will take away confusion. It'll take away distractions. When you're feeling like you want to run, it'll adjust you to keep, keep you rooted and planted where God wants you. Why? Because He's not done with us. He's doing a great work, and it takes continual nourishment. It takes roots going deep into where God plants you because he's trying to build something that's going to last eternally. We are so much blessed. We're more blessed than Jesus. Do you realize that? Because after he died and went to heaven, he's, he's living his life in eternity. We have our chance through Jesus Christ to live life now as overcomers. And don't get discouraged because you mess up or, or, you, or you blow it. Or you find yourself at a dead end today. Turn around. God is going to restore what you feel like you've lost. Don't let your mind belittle you and torment you. Start again. Get up, get up, get up, get up. Jesus is with you. The power of the Holy Spirit will manifest himself in your life. He has a great grand plan for your life that no one else can show you but him. The Holy Spirit partners with you to live deep inside of you to reveal his will. And when you're getting off track, the Holy Spirit will allow you to hear him, that you can respond to him so that you can get back on track. Amen. I want to recap of the verse that was our um, key verse last week, John 13, 35. By this, Jesus said, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. So love is a great, a great sign of discipleship. And again, in the context of the local church, 
in following through the obedience of water baptism, God is doing a complete refining work and transforming us into disciples, followers of Christ. Um, I had this little quote uh, from this book Donna gave me, Spurgeon's Sermon Notes, and I just had to give it to you today. This little kind of a quotation or this kind of like a little uh, paragraph was from Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, and it has to do with uh, being a good, uh, having a good reason to be a disciple of Christ. He writes this, A silly child, when he plays store, would like to take the price and keep the article too. Ever play with your kids and, you know, you give them money and they want the money and then they want what you just are buying from them? That's what he's saying. But everybody knows that this cannot be. If you keep the goods, you cannot have the price. And if you accept the price, the goods are no longer yours. You may have either the one or the other, but not both. So you may be your own, if you wish, but then the redemption price is not yours. If you accept the ransom, then the thing redeemed is no longer yours, but belongs to him who bought it. If I am redeemed, I am Christ. If I am resolved to be my own, I must renounce my Redeemer and die unransomed. Whoa! Telling me that does not snap you back into it. Because there's times on this Christian walk we want to say later, and we read about this two weeks ago when we talked about Jonah. See you, God. You want me to go to Nineveh? Bye! I'm going on a cruise. I'm getting on the Disney cruise line. I'm leaving. But this tells us we're in a, between the rock and the rock is crushing us. Jesus is crushing us because he gives us eternal life. He gives us hope. He forgives our sins. He removes addictions and temptations and trials and those things that are trying to destroy us. And he gives us a future and a hope. But we're between a rock and a hard place. We have to keep making a choice that I'm going to walk the walk of a disciple. I'm going to be and become a disciple of Christ. And so at times it gets hard. How many of you, be honest with me, you, you struggle sometimes during the day like what God wants you to do. Thank you. I thought I was the only one. <laughs> We've been bought. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. We're no longer our own. Paul writes, You surely know that your body is the temple where the Holy Spirit lives. The Spirit is in you and is a gift from God. You are no longer your own. God paid a great price for you, so use your body to honor God. The greatest thing that happens when we receive Christ is the restoration of our will. Oh yeah, when we're going away from God, we're living a life on our own. Maybe we're, we're being promiscuous. Maybe we're uh, doing things that we shouldn't do. We feel the, the grace of being independent. We, we feel the luxury of, of, of independence, but also we begin to feel the degradation and the pain of sin and a lifestyle that's compromised and that's opposite of what God wants. I love when I was a kid, the old Pinocchio movie, it is the most gospel message. Satan was the one leading all those kids. They're all smoking their big cigars, and he's bringing them into bondage. That is what the enemy is trying to do. Without Christ, our will, whatever he's offering for a season, is robbing us of the rich life that we can only have as we become a follower, a disciple of Christ. As we get our will back, and you think, wow, this is really hard. I get my will back, but I have to surrender it to Jesus. That only true freedom comes as I walk out this relationship, as I let God transform my mind, will, and emotions, as my soul goes through the process of surrendering, 
giving up something and getting something far richer, something that's going to last through eternity. Our will. Sometimes, and especially I see in our, in our generation, a passivity that settled over us. And partly that's our fault. You know, our, we came, I came from that generation, was the greatest generation. They, they went to war, they built a country, and they built uh, supplies to, to push, push back uh, tyranny in the world. And that generation was the industrial generation. It was a generation called the greatest generation. What was their greatest strength? They had a work ethic. They knew what it was to get up early and to work late, to be self-sacrificing. They learned how to save. They learned how to hoard. They learned how to go through it with nothing. And there was something in that generation that got left after World War II generation. And, and those guys came back from war. They didn't want any more problems. And for their families, they did everything they could to make their families better. They did everything to enable their kids to have a better life, for their kids to go to school, for their kids to not suffer with what they went through. They had gone through the Depression. They had gone through war. And so there was a deep motivation to protect but when we protect our kids, we rob them of a work ethic. We rob them of passion and purpose. We rob them of a will to live life to the fullest. And that's what we're in the battle with now. What? People go on drugs. People are, are exchanging partners. People are trying to fulfill and, and bring experiences to their life that are going to dull the pain and the loneliness and the emptiness from not being maybe raised right or not having a good boundaries, not having someone say no. Not someone say to them, get out, get a job, go to school. And the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you right now, if you feel like you're a victim of this generation, I'm telling you, you are in the right place because the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to get you up. He's going to get you motivated. He's going to get you going in this life in the way you're supposed to go. He's going to help you get the career that God has for you. And you could say, well, you know, I'm not educated. I don't have to. I don't care. God it's the Holy Spirit who gives us the mind. It's the Holy Spirit that regenerates, renews, and gives us hope. I don't care what you've done, how you failed. God has a plan and a purpose. Keep surrendering and submitting and say, God, I don't know. Come, stupid even. That's how I came. Janitor most of my life. Stupid, clueless, relationally defective, emotionally bankrupt, depressed, oppressed. All I knew how to do as a janitor. But God kept moving me forward. He kept moving me forward. He kept transformation. He kept doing things. I tell you, we serve a God who's alive. Luke 9.23. It's an add-on. Then Jesus said... To the disciples, if anyone desires or has a will to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. That is so important. You could come, to, sometimes we come to God, I haven't made my life amount to anything. We come in desperation, we come in brokenness, we come with no plan B, and we surrender. But after God starts doing a little regeneration, we want to take the reins back and we want, to, we want to give our will back to the enemy and kind of live a destroyed life. It's okay. We all go through those temptations. Keep saying no. Keep coming to Jesus with your will that wants to run and say, God, I gave my will to you. You've done a lot for me. God, 
here's my rebellion, here's, here's my, uh, my antsiness, here's my resistance. God, keep me tracking. I want my will not to come into bondage again. I want my will to be free. If you feel like you're in a place of boredom, you, you feel like nothing's happening, spend a little bit more time praying, presenting your will to God. Say, God, my, my will seems like it's stuck. Or, or maybe you're in this generation that you've lost your will and you're trying to gain it back. Don't get discouraged if everything's not coming together right away. God is working. It's going to come together. In a moment, everything can change because God is working a plan in, our, in all of our lives. I think of, you know, um, of Peter. You know, here he is following. Jesus tells him at the Last Supper, hey, you know, you're going to deny me. Before the crock crows, three times you're going to deny me. Oh, no. No, I'm not going to deny you. Well, God has a way of working self out of us. Because a lot of times we, we shift even from uh, following God in uh, that dependence and that brokenness and that trust and that openness where we, we've learned enough tools that we're doing on our own. I tell you, I've been there a number of times. And then you fail Jesus. And it says on the way to um, the high priest's house when they were leading Jesus away, it said that Peter followed him afar off or at a distance. You might be a Christian today and you're following Jesus at a distance. And I'm, gonna let, I'm just letting you know, Jesus is not going to let you stay distant very long. He's going to pull you in. Why? He knows the, the way you, you're thinking. He knows the feelings that are trying to draw you away. And I tell you, he's going to pull you close. When Peter failed, when he failed in his good works and his knowing that Jesus was the rock, and when his self-efforts came into that place where he realized he was walking in self, he was walking in his own works, that brokenness worked a great repentance to restore his will. And out of humility, he came back to Jesus and Jesus restored him. We need our wills. As this church is growing and we have so many needs and so many different positions and places that we need filling, we need people who are going to buy in and let God make them who they need to be. Why? Because there's a dying world in our community that we're assigned to. We have some light touches in Nigeria. We're supporting. We see our missionary once a year. You know, we're trying to help Ben and Jess get ready, keep doing YWAM. But I tell you, this is our Jerusalem. We've got to build a strong body here if God is ever going to do anything. In fact, if we, until Jesus came, there's probably enough work in Hollister. There's enough broken people in Hollister to be healed, saved, delivered, restored, and become part of the local church. And that needs to happen. That's our mission. If you're here wondering what Hillside's about, God's love changing lives, Hollister. God wants to work on Hollister. And we're not the only one working here, but this is where God sent us, and this is where we're working. So God just doesn't want us our service. And I think it really comes down to relationship. If that scripture last week, if you are my disciples, you have to have love one for another. This, I think, is the foundation of what we've been working on for it's almost 15 years. This is our 15th year we're working on. God's love changing our lives. Allowing God to make us not only have this love with him, but he, he breaks us into relationships. And that's probably the hardest thing in church is learning how to let people love you, learning how to love other people. Why? Because we're all so different. We all have our own will. We have our own way of eating. We have our own way of thinking. We have our own families, even in our own families. How many would say your family is perfect? Perfect relationships, perfect love, perfect fellowship, perfect obedience, husband and wife submission, yet they work out things together because the wife is not lower than the husband. They're equal, but she has a word. She has wisdom. She has uh, ability for hear from God that helps the husband. Anyone perfect like that yet? I know I'm not. 
But what is that keeps together? It's the commitment. And so you who have been here and been in our church, and even those who are going to go through membership today, and those of you who have been come members, you know our thing is about commitment to your call to be here, to work out relationships, to know how to, to, to keep working, learn how to communicate when you're offended with someone, learn how to not gossip about them, but go and reconcile. Learn to look at yourself and realize what's being triggered in this interaction with this person. What can I get out of it? And then learning to be humble because God's love helps us to be humble. Why? Because something better is going to be worked out in our relationships. So I want to give you the definition of relationship. A significant connection or similarity between two or more things or the state of being related to something else. The connection between two or more people or groups and their involvement with one another, especially as regards to the way they behave toward and feel about one another. Our relationship blocks, our hurts, our wounds that we bring into this body affect us and affect those around us. It even affects our family. How many know if each one of us right now analyzes our family, we know our family members and we know our walls between each other. And how many times do we just allow each other to be who we are, and we're afraid to maybe challenge that place that could grow. I want to encourage you to pray about it and start challenging each other, even in our families, about relational growth. Why? Because if you get it right in the safety of your family, or you're creating a safety in your family, then it's going to play out into your church relationships, into your work relationships. You're going to love your boss. You're going to love your co-workers, because you're learning how to practice the very thing Jesus is asking us to do as being his disciples. You know, our feelings that resist uh, to current people in our lives. Again, God is going to bring you something that's going to trigger your relationship issues. Why? He wants to heal. And he can't heal something that's not triggered. That's the way a lot of times we want to run from God or run from church. Why? We want the, the glossolalia, the, the Holy Spirit experience, but we don't want the deeper working of the Holy Spirit. We want to go into the church and take in everything we can but we're afraid of getting close. Why? If they see some of my issues, if they see who I really am, they're going to reject me. Excuse me, this is a perfect place to be because that's why I try to reveal my weaknesses. I share with you why. Because this is how, who I really am. And every pastor who really gets up there, no matter how they portray themselves, they got real issues they're working on. And if they're not, I don't think they're alive. That's all part of becoming... I have to say, I, I know you guys can read me. I had uh, someone come up to me yesterday and say, I, you really been going through because I saw it all over you. And, and they said, you know what? They said they were praying for me. And I said, thank you so much. Keep praying. Because the last few weeks, I have been going through incredible things. We go through different seasons in our life, our age, uh, different family relationships, things that change, things that change for me in the church, relationships, needs. All these things affect us. Me and Dory have we've our kids are now on their own but you are our family and so our what concerns you even though you may think like i don't know you really care about me if i hear about something going on in your life it affects us and because we're called together as a team we co-lead this church their struggle sometimes just like parents you ever struggle over your kids 
you know, one, one, the, one, the dad says, well, I think we should do this. The wife says, I think we should do this. Me and Dory are constantly trying to work together in our leadership style and who we are in our personalities to bless the church. And, I, and sometimes it affects our relationship. We get so into working on it that it affects our relationship. And I'm so thankful for Dory because her ability to relate first to God, and she has such a deep relationship with God, she's able to call me on my stuff. And I'm a person that if I get, because I've had such betrayal issues and rejection issues in my life, when I feel that way, I just want to run. I just want to isolate. And so she'll call me on it. She won't let me isolate. And so when I'm struggling, like I've been struggling over the last few weeks, sometimes I come in here, Wednesday I came in here and I felt like, man, if they really knew how I'm struggling on the inside, God, I'm just struggling. And sometimes we're struggling and we don't understand what God's doing. All I know is sometimes feelings come up. Like I've been sharing the last couple of weeks, feelings about relationships. I share with you that I shared with our advisory board feelings that I was going through when we were away on our retreat last week. God is triggering things in me. I'm at the place at 61 years old, almost 62, where I'm still getting worked on. Every season of our life transition us, and God works on different things. And so in those times of transition, sometimes we want to run, or sometimes we don't understand what God's doing, or sometimes we think God's left, or we're at the end. It's in those times of major work that the Holy Spirit's doing is where really God's going to launch us into a greater place of freedom and victory. But we have to go through them. I'd like to tell you, you know what? You accepted Jesus. It's all going to be heaven now on earth. Every problem's going to go away. You'll never be sick. You'll never have an ache or pain. Every prayer will be instantly answered, and we'll go into heaven, you know, with your royal robes on and your crown on your head. It's not going to be like that. Jesus said, through much tribulation, we enter the kingdom of God. Jesus said, everyone who will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You're going to be rejected. You're not going to be understood. You're going to go home and say, you know what? I'm going to work, I'm going to work on my family. I'm going to restore. I'm going to love. I'm going to be a different person. Well, I don't think Satan's going to be very happy with you. So you're going to feel resistance. Communion. The definition of communion is intimacy. I don't know about you. I've been married to that lady right there for almost 33 years. And I'm a scared of intimacy. I'm a scared of being close. And, and she knows me like no one else. And yet still, she doesn't always understand what I feel. She doesn't understand my temperament, my feelings. She doesn't understand the weaknesses in my own personality that I struggle with. My social anxiety. Sometimes dealing with depression. She doesn't understand that, but she understands and she has a grace for me to allow me to keep changing and, and to go through things that I need to go through. That's part of the intimacy, a feeling of emotional or spiritual closeness, connection. And I think sometimes we have these moments that God puts us together. And I remember when I first, God first started really working on me, I, was in, I came out of a small marriage group in our church in San Jose. Oh, it was great. You know, we're all fellowshipping. And then after about six months, God started going deep and each one of us started going through things and we started sharing. People were going through deep pain about what they'd gone through in relationship. Well, we had bonded. We had a level of intimacy as a marriage group, but then God, because we had this bond, he started taking us so we could be honest about what we were feeling, be honest in our marriages, what, what was hurting us and how we felt rejected or, or different areas that we struggled in, in in our marriages. And as those things come out, came up, it was because we had a level of intimacy. That's what the communion is in, in the body or in relationships. Um, a relationship, um, a connection, especially one in which something is communicated or shared. You know, we look at people different when we hear their life story. 
when they dare to share their pain, their failures, the things they struggle with, when they take risks, when they feel like it's okay or it's a, you're a safe person, that's where you have a deeper understanding of a person. That's where we don't judge a person by what we see on the outside. Why? Because there's a deeper thing going on. And this is all part of what Jesus is trying to do to make disciples. It's more about relationship. It's, you think, look at the people in the Bible. People have got healed. See you, Jesus. Thank you. You know, we look for the miracles that, that are signs of God's presence and power, and our soul is really wanting that. But I tell you, the greater miracles are in the life transformations that happen because people are connected. Look at those disciples who went through everything with Jesus. They could go to the cross. They could be beaten, stoned, boiled in oil, die a martyr's death. Paul could be sawn in half. That was his death. Why? Because he had learned to have relationship with God, and he learned to have relationship with people. And so he could give up his life. When he got to the end of his life and he had to die for Christ, he could do that. Why? Because relationships in the body of Christ and relationship with Christ was so much more important and had so much more value and so much more fulfillment than just hanging on to this natural life. Fellowship. A sharing of common interests, goals, experiences, or views. A group of people who share common interests, goals, and experiences, or views. Companionship or friendly association. Membership in a group or the starting of characteristics, sharing the characteristics with others. Again, you know, like how I've been doing, just sharing what I go through, sharing what I struggle with. Hopefully that, that connects you with a person who's real. You know, who I'm not trying to put something up for you that I'm not trying to live. Our key verse for today, which should be out there right now. First John 1, 7. If we walk in the light, that's the truth of God's word. That's the revelation that comes from you reading the Bible. That's the truth from coming as you just grow in God. You know, every day you wake up and there could be a nugget that's automatic, automatically being spoken to you. As we walk in the light, the truth, as he, Jesus, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You know why you need the blood of Jesus to cleanse you? Because it's your interaction with relationship with real people is going to get you angry going to trigger your anger. It's going to trigger your dysfunctions. It's going to trigger everything that needs the blood of Jesus to cleanse. And if we try to live isolated from the body of Christ, I think we can have a measure of denial of who we really are and have this relationship with God. But it's only in the nasty now and now in relationships where you need the blood of Jesus for, to forgive you. When my wife is trying to get me to talk and I, all I want to do is not talk and be isolated and she's starting to irritate me because I feel like I have no words for her but she pursues me like a hound dog on a bone. <laughs> that's when I start getting angry. Why? Because it's pulling me out of a place that's easy for me to go. It's easier for me to withdraw and just be silent because deep inside, uh, she goes, how can you get up on Sunday and speak? Because God wants me to. That's my job and I have grace to do it. But after that, I have, I have hardly any words. Those of you who are close to me, you've seen me how I am in, in the natural setting. Down low. I'm on the down low. I'm hiding out. And so when I get triggered and I'm angry at her and I say, why did I ever marry this person? Why did I ever? Why? Because it's not that I don't like her. It's like, I don't like what she triggers in me. And lately it's been triggering the depths of how I continually need to be transformed. And I need to know how to love and be loved. So why? So I can become that disciple that Jesus wants me to be. Enoch, maybe come and get ready to close here.
Let me give you another verse. First John 1, 5 through 7. Fellowship with Jesus can restore relationships. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Notice it says practice. Again, it's not about having a perfect relationship, but you keep practicing it. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with, with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The blood needs to flow in our interactions, in our families, in, in our church body, so that forgiveness, what, what is that forgiveness? So we can let go of those things that have hurt us, that we can become the persons of relationships and love that God is calling us to be. My final verse here I'll give you. 1 Corinthians 1, 9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. It's a great fellowship. It's a great body. And keep coming in. Will you stand? Our altar's going to be open. If you need prayer, you can get prayer. And those of you who are coming to our membership, kind of exit pretty quick because we want to start as quick as we can so that we can let you out as quick as we can. God bless you.